This week on the O the Anthem podcast, we are, of course, doing an Academy Award recap. We were excited about the Oscars. Were you? We got a lot of thoughts on the show, including the big winner of the night. Uh, in sports ball, Mookie Betts is coming west just like we did. Why aren't you? It seems like everybody's coming this way. And we were very excited about the XFL opening weekend. We got to talk about that so much in the news politics-wise. Trump's acquittal in the, uh, the impeachment proceedings. Iowa doing Iowa things and the State of the Union address. And, of course, we got some Baltimore news in the Baltimore corner, uh, including some mayoral candidates getting crazy. So all that and more is coming up right now on the O the Anthem podcast. For best gaffing is not Rob. Not Rob. <laughs> <laughs> That's weird. Usually it just has a name. This is Corey, and this is the Ode Anthem podcast. Good afternoon, everybody. It's Rob. Welcome to episode three hundred five of the Ode the Anthem podcast. And oh boy, are we excited about the Oscars! <laughs> Indeed, I'm feeling much better. About it. <laughs> Hi, everybody. I wonder what changed. I don't it, was, know. it seemed right before we started, and then yeah, all of a sudden yeah. I got really dark when the cameras went on. I have no idea. Anyway, technical jargon. Yeah, so uh, where's that for your consideration drop, Corey? <laughs> Old uh, Sleepy McGee in the other room isn't uh, helping me out with it. I'm, I feel like I'm going to re- have to recast this role. My actors, I tell you, you what. You try and give them work, and then... Uh, Unpaid work <laughs> that's only done for gratitude. And Listen, it's get, it'll get a lot of exposure. Sure, uh, weekly. <laughs> weekly exposure. Weekly on a podcast. It'll... it'll, it'll be huge for your career, maybe. Mm. <laughs> They'll put it in I'm your producing. reel, your Academy Award <laughs> reel. Uh, maybe the in, mem- in memoriam, because I think that's the only way. Uh, I don't know. Sid play. Haig's not making the cut. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what our, what our expectations. Luke Perry are. didn't make the cut. Good <laughs> yeah. grief. But yeah, so Academy Awards were last night. Exciting uh, for most people. I guess not everybody super excited about the Oscars, but of well, we were. less less uh, less audience. Six million less people watched this year Ooh. than last year. I wow. feel like uh, maybe it's because it was at five p.m. No, I mean that the time's usually the same, so like you can't really say. Oh that. wait, that was just for us on the West Coast. <laughs> That's because we always have to kowtow to the <laughs> dang East Coasters. Well, the the people at the Academy Awards don't mind it, like being at five o'clock because that means you get out at you know eight thirty nine o'clock start drinking and then you can start partying so yes. like bung ju ho who <laughs> no he's got no part what what hand is he gonna carry around <laughs> his drink in he's got his hands full at the uh at the governor's ball dinner mm-hmm. at, that happens afterwards where they uh engrave your oscars for you while you stand there uh, yeah. bung Joon ho apologized for how many they had to engrave <laughs> he's just like yes i'm sorry this will take longer yeah it's okay <laughs> Uh, you're allowed. You're, you're allowed. I mean, your humble on the plus rags. side, yeah. this might be your only trip. So I mean, you know, it, it's uh, after after that. I imagine the next thing is going to be very uh, well scouted. So yeah, we'll see. I know. I think though, the, there's a chance it's the opposite, right? Like when you win five. Yeah. Is there a chance you're just like, you know, I got this real passion project. Uh, <laughs> it's about uh, 
It's about two horses who go on an adventure together and we hear their thoughts. And, you're, and somebody's just like, we'll fund that. <laughs> I was thinking about waste doing $120 million. A, I was thinking do about it. doing a live action version of Five Goes West. First like, of all, all right. I will 100% go see a live action version of Five Goes West. <laughs> the Bung Joon Ho. <laughs> I mean, I think he'd have an interesting spin on it. I don't... Uh, <laughs> listen, why is Fievel speaking in Romanian? Is this necessary? He, he's from South Korea. He doesn't even speak Romanian. He's using two translators, one into English, the next one into Romanian. Oh, gosh. It's a real character piece. Well, you know, we have to have to drive seats somehow. By the way, largest opening in the history of the UK this weekend. What? For Parasite? For Parasite. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Um, and apparently well-deserved because... Um, if you could get a clean sweep, I think it would be a clean sweep. Well, let's get let's get into it a little bit yeah, here. Yeah. I, I, I uh obviously Parasite winning is like the big news of the show. But there's uh, other stuff, guys. Oh yeah. There's but other I'm, stuff. I'm saying the uh, I, I when we talked last week, I sort of said I could see a way that Parasite could win. It was one of the favorites. Yes, yeah. It wasn't the leader in the clubhouse, if you will, going into the into the night. Can you review for everybody the uh, preferential balloting and probably, I don't want to say that is how, but probably how Parasite ended up winning? Well, yeah. So, I mean, the way they do Best Picture, which is different than how they do every other award in the show, every other award is just whoever has the most number one votes wins the award. Right. Um, but for the Best Picture, in the hopes that you wouldn't get some sort of polarizing pick, you'd sort of get more of a consensus pick. I think they take the top three slots and sort of factor them all into like whoever gets the most in the top three and then burrow down from there, like who had the most first place votes of these movies. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of thing. So it's not just like a straight, like if everyone had Parasite in their top three, but didn't necessarily have it number one, it could still win because it was on so many top three. You know, like. Yeah. The thing that I think about is the episode of The Office, <laughs> the Halloween episode, mm. where they're like, you can't vote for yourself, and you're going to put your vote in in front of the camera so that the camera guys can hold you accountable. And then everybody goes in there, and they're like, listen, if I can't vote for myself and it can't be me, I'm going to give my vote to the one guy who doesn't want it, Oscar. And yeah. like person after person votes for him because he doesn't want it, yeah, and yeah. then uh, he ends up winning. So <laughs> it's basically that. It's like, uh, listen, my number one favorite movie, Joker. After that, eh, kind of a wash. But Parasite was okay. All well, right, well. I mean, for the first time in a long time, I was able to see all the Best Picture nominees. Yeah, by the way, that was, I think one year we had, like, screeners almost. Like, do you remember the year we had them on DVDs? It wasn't screeners, by the way. That was, uh, that was uh, early in the LimeWire years <laughs> where everything <laughs> was available. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Long, long ago. Yes. Many, <laughs> many outside the Statute of Limitations <laughs> back in years the, ago. Back in the days before Statue of Limitations. Um, hold on a second here. I'm pulling up my list of all my movies that okay. I've seen this year. Just because I know that I didn't have Parasite, like, number one of the movies mm, this yes. year. Well, um, and, uh, you know, of course, if you want your uh, the very strict to a three decimal point voting system, <laughs> make sure you check out Corey Baker Filmmaker Movie Reviews over at CoreyBakerFilmmaker.com. I had, I had Once Upon a Time in Hollywood as my number one movie mm -hmm. at 9.3. Mm. Uh, Joker was in there at 8.9. Mm -hmm. uh, I haven't done the Ford versus Ferrari one, but that was probably going to be like high sevens. Oh, Roma eight. up high, too. Yeah. Isle of Dogs, number yeah. two. No, it's actually number three. It just hasn't worked in with the uh, the one for what was the uh, 
1917 is ahead yes. of it. It's just not showing there right now. Oh, okay, I think right, 1917 right. had a 9-1 as well. Ooh. Yeah. Um, Parasite had an 8-1. So it's in line with other movies that got nominated. You know, Marriage Story. Uh, you Wait, know, Irishman was, was an 8. 8.1. Okay. All right. Yeah. So, I mean, like, you know, I, I thought of it as a as a great movie. I just didn't. I guess maybe I didn't see everything that everyone else went co- sort of crazy about. It sort of felt like this is the year where it was like popular to say how much you loved Parasite. See, I don't think it was that. I do think it was like everyone's third favorite movie, but they all had two different w- movies in one and two. I mean, like I, I feel like Joker was like super. It wasn't going to win just because it was super. Uh, either you loved it or you hated it. Exactly. It was like there was no like people who were just like, well, I guess I'll throw it in as my third pick. Like nineteen seventeen, same yeah. way. Either people loved it. And they were right, or they hated it, and they were absolutely wrong. Well, there was some late push. So what's interesting about being in L.A. when the awards are coming close is you get to hear the things on the street that other people are hearing (laughs) that influence the voting, but you don't, like, it's not the same as, like, you know, like, the stuff you pick up on Deadline or Variety or something like that. Yeah, Because I was hearing a lot of, like, like right before voting, like, that last little push of people going, like, well, you know, 1917 is basically just a video game. Yeah. And like they're just trying to like knock it down a little couple pegs. Okay. I don't know. It, it was it was really interesting to as soon as uh, uh Bong Joon Ho won for uh, best original screenplay, I was like this this probably spelling doom for 1917. Yeah, it was so early in the. I mean, because like a lot of times they'll give awards to people to show acknowledgement for how good the movie is, but not necessarily give it an award. You know, like, not give it the big award. Yeah, you wrote a so really like, great screenplay. Right. There was a little bit less when it like came Taika to Like, Taika Waititi winning for Best Adapted Screenplay yeah. was like, yeah. we really like Jojo Rabbit. We wish we could give it Best Picture, but it's not good enough. So instead, here is Best Adapted Screenplay. Yeah, listen, um, it's you still played an a Oscar. funny Hitler. <laughs> we're not cool with that, funny Hitler. So we're going to give you the Best Adapted Screenplay. But uh, less funny Hitler in the next movie. Yeah. More Thor, <laughs> less funny Hitler. <laughs> um, let's see. We're, uh, so all the bottom six there. Yeah, there we yeah, go. Yeah, I mean, like, we we basically uh, picked, I mean, like, the, the acting ones were pretty in yeah. the bag. And again, like, I, I mean, we said last week that it, it's been leading into, uh, in it, throughout award season leading up to the Oscars, but Joaquin Phoenix... Um, apparently uh, was the favorite going in. He, of course, won and then immediately lost his mind. One, forgot how to speak in public, and then when he remembered, um, just started rambling about whatever came into <laughs> his mind. I never knew what Renee Zellweger was talking about. I think yeah. I checked out for half a second at some point, and I missed some sort of... <laughs> Transition? Like, yeah, connective tissue between what she was saying before I had checked out and after, because, like... It just it felt like it was it was nonsense words for a while there. I realistically like, think she was expecting the mic to go down, and when it didn't, <laughs> she just kept talking. All all the people calling for the mic up, by the way, that was my favorite part for no other reason than it is like impossible to get that fucking crowd to do anything. Yes, like yeah. it is the worst crowd. Uh, not because like you know people who are at the heights of entertainment don't like to have fun. It's just like it's a nerve wracking night. Mm-hmm. Like you're Martin Scorsese, you're near eighty years old. You're sitting in the chair for three and a half hours, w- waiting to see if you win one of the two awards that you're like really up for. And then you didn't. And you didn't. Yeah. But like yeah. you know, you're, you're you're not there to have a good time. And when Eminem comes out and you're looking at him, you're just like, "What the fuck is this? Like, why are you doing also, this?" Also, by the way, I missed that. But he performed "Lose Yourself." Yeah. The 2002 classic "Lose yeah. Yourself," which was nominated. For oh, and a, I a I had the, I, sometimes I wish like I I was uh, I could like mind tweet. 
because like when they were doing like a they they were doing like a, a homage to music and film, right? Yeah. Like yeah. Uh, so they're playing like every great scene with a, a song in it and stuff like that. And then they get towards the end and they're playing like a uh, musical interlude version of Lose Yourself. And mm-hmm. I'm just like, in my head, I was like, they're building out for fucking Eminem to come out or the, them to play the whole song. Like, yeah, they're building it up so that you get to the part where the guitar starts kicking in and you're just dun, like, dun, dun, yeah, 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 yeah. Dun, 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 and then dun, as soon as that happened and the stage rose and there was Eminem, I was just like, mm hmm. <laughs> But now it's too late to tweet that because then yes. you don't feel like some like omniscient being. You, <laughs> you just look like a guy trying to get credit for calling something that happened. You know. Yes. Um, but uh, overall, I'll say this: uh, uh, the less musical performances, I'm I'm okay with this because I mean I feel like part of this came from the idea of we have to all have all the best song nominees perform live. Well, I think there and were years where that was really good. There were really good songs. Oh Elton yeah, John I mean, like coming when, on performing. When, yeah, when when there's a when there's a uh, a banger song that that is like the part of you know like when Celine Dion did uh, mm-hmm. "My Heart Will Go On" at the Oscars, that was a big moment. Yeah, you know? uh, slap that trick. Maybe not what I really want to hear <laughs> on Oscars <laughs> night. Which, by the way, won the Oscar that year. <laughs> oh. But uh, maybe maybe do away with some of the musical performances, or rather than or just like sort of like combine them a bit. I guess like. Maybe have like a Dina Menzel sing with Elton John, and then we can knock out like two performances in one or something like that. So, I mean, I guess it's so Grammys like to have like all these musical performances and to start with one with Janelle Monet, who I love, but I wasn't like, I don't know if if that it was a a catchy enough tune and it was fine and it like got the show like right into it Mm -hmm. and stuff like that and had good energy, but I don't know if it was like the best song, (laughs) you know. Like, when I was gonna say, so like Cynthia, um, Arrivo, Arrivo, uh, killed it on her song. But then it's like Randy Newman is ninety seven hundred years old, and he's out there on his piano. Well, it's, uh, Chrissy Metz did the same. She sang the song for uh, the movie she was in, I think. Yeah, and you know she did a great job, and that that's a great star making place for like certain people. Yeah, like uh, Elton John at this point, like uh, you know, I, not that I I am willfully turning down Elton John performances, but like. In the terms of this show, like I feel like it's about what can we cut? Yeah, like yeah. what 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 can we get rid of that people don't necessarily need? I was feeling like uh, usually what had happened in Oscars pr- prior to this is that you would watch uh, them introduce the actor, going like you know like and the nominees for best supporting actor are Brad Pitt, and then there'd be play a, little a little applause, cl- play yeah. a little clip. Instead, what they did was they did sort of like a montage of all them, like in more. More than just the one clip, giving you more of a sense of what they were doing. And then after that, they announced everybody. Yeah. I feel like it could have just been quicker by saying, like, you know, like, uh, as like a caption at the bottom, like, Brad Pitt. Yeah. You know? like, by the way, everybody at the actual physical show knows all of the people. And I don't mean knows them, like, knows who's nominated. It's like, oh, yeah, Brad. You I could, know Brad. You He's prob- over there. You could probably just save the time of announcing all the people again and then just say, like, you know, congratulations to all the nominees, and the winner is there. We go, and that gives you enough time to have all five of them up on the the screen oh. with the <laughs> like who's gonna win kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I don't know. I, I just feel like it, there's there's precious time in a show like this, and if you can think about the little things that could cut out, like a minute here, a minute there, like the guy who wrapped the recap kind of thing, yeah. like halfway through, it was fine. But sure. I mean, like, I don't think it was. Worthy of the Academy Awards. Or having like people come out to introduce the people who are going to give out awards. That was what I was going to say. I don't understand that (laughs) part of it. 
I'm going to introduce the guy. And, and I mean, George McKay making fun of the fact that he was introducing the person who was going to introduce the person. How about this? How about we just don't call it a host? We just call it an MC. Yeah. Because then it sort of gives the idea that, like, maybe I'm going to give you a little bit of top, like uh, Chris Rock and Steve Martin did. They mm-hmm. came out. They did essentially what was a monologue. Yeah. Uh, even though it was the two of them. They, they just did a little comedy routine, uh, took five minutes, and then they moved on with the show. If Chris Rock or Steve Martin stayed with us for the rest of the show and they just stood at, like, you know, various points throughout the theater going, like, now Mindy Kaling to announce the next award. Yeah. You know, and just throw it in. Rather than them having this big thing of, like, uh, you know, now now bringing to the stage Caitlin Deaver, and then she comes out and she's just like Mindy Kaling and everybody. <laughs> like it's like, thanks. Uh, all right, we don't. <laughs> at a certain point, it feels like we're wasting time by bringing people on stage. Like as much as I like, uh, it was Beanie Feldstein. I'm sorry. Uh, I was thinking Booksmart. It was just in my head. Uh, Beanie Feldstein's out there. It's just like rather than do like I, I get that you want to put her on stage and like say like she had a big year and stuff yeah, like that, yeah. but like. Seems kind of worthless to have her come up there to introduce somebody else. Like, well, so that it just occurred to me that it may be that they have people in certain places when someone else is not in position just to burn 30 seconds. So, like, was George McKay doing that because Zazie Beats wasn't in place? I mean, I feel like a show like this is so rehearsed that. You would hope that everyone would be in play, you yeah. know? And I was it's not the Globe, so people aren't drinking all night. So I guess yeah. it's like, where's Zazie? She's puking in the bathroom. <laughs> George, get up there. We need 30 seconds. <laughs> Phil. <laughs> but yeah, no, I, I mean, it's, I understand that like some of this stuff is old. It's like, we've been doing this for a long time. Yes, but now we are showing a lot more awards. Like it used to be, I would, I would really, I would really rather it be less nonsense, more awards. Yeah. If we could get two more awards in there and like cut out song performances, then I'd love Mm -hmm. that. And how about if, uh, you know, people start rambling, you just (laughs) drop the mic, not the sweet lady for the best picture, (laughs) like the best supporting actress who just kind of rambles for a while. Yeah. Just drop the mic on her. Here's the thing. She's not going to stop talking. She's going to stand up there and talk in the dark. The problem is that there's, there's, uh, the Oscars has, has gotten caught in this before, and we've joked about this a lot. Yeah. Where it's just like, it seems like a rambling speech, and it, it's like, there it seems like a moment in the action where, like, <laughs> you're about you're about to cue the music, and then the actors sort of goes like, it was my mom who died of breast cancer when I was four that told me, and then like, it's just like, Mike up, Mike up, Mike up, Mike up, Mike up. Yeah, you know, that happens too. Yeah, I mean, and, and probably... Uh, Something could be said about just uh, how the speeches are delivered, because I, yeah. I feel like uh, part of part of the reason why I think most people don't watch the Oscars as any, anymore is because they don't want to get like lectured by celebrities. Yeah, like, uh, I mean, about- I can tell you, the number one thing I wanted to do uh, after the Oscars was uh, grab a steak and a bowl of cereal, a nice <laughs> brimming bowl of cereal and milk, so just to bite them all. Hey, Joaquin, <laughs> it's just like. I don't know. I get that, but at the same time, I, I get where like the celebrities are coming from, where they're just like, "This is my opportunity to say something where people yeah, are but listening." Like, but like, Brad kept it nice and short, and he yeah. was just like, you know, it, you know, he made a throwaway joke, yeah. that landed. I feel a lot better than Joaquin's whole, yeah, speech. But I mean, he made a point too. He was making a point. He got it out there. Like, this is how I feel without 
going on a rambling rant yeah. for five minutes about something that. But I'm saying, like, you know, some Fox News viewers turn tuning in the Oscars to see if Joker won, and yeah. Brad Pitt wins an award, and he's just like, you know, more of the time than John Bolton got this week, and he's just like, oh fuck this, like, all right, we'll turn it off then. Yeah, because <laughs> you know what? They turned it off when Joaquin started talking too. That yeah, same that's guy true. was just like, what? Nope. <laughs> all right. Don't get in between me and my steak, Joaquin. <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, I, if I ever am standing on that stage, there's going to be thank yous to people. Um, maybe a, uh, a self-deprecating story about uh, where I come from that may or may not be made up completely. And then when yeah. I get off stage, I'm like, yeah, no, I was just winging it. I made up that complete story on the fly. Um, and then you have thanks to the Academy and get out. <laughs> Get up to the microphone here. I was poor, born a poor black boy in the South. <laughs> yes. Everyone starts laughing. It's like, this is serious. <laughs> I'm telling a serious story here, people. Um, yeah, and then, of course, close it all out with the... And just in closing, remember that all your problems can be solved with guillotines. And the mic just starts going down. <laughs> Take chasing, to the streets, people. Yeah. Take to the streets. <laughs> Silent green is people. <laughs> Uh, yeah, but uh, overall, though, it's still it's still uh, Hollywood's night, and um, we were surprised by a bunch of the winners. <laughs> yeah. Uh, especially, uh, well, I guess uh, Rachel wasn't so surprised, because uh, your family, your, uh, what's it called? Oh, damn it. We, I don't have these things, so I always... Um, like family tradition, Oscar tradition. pool? Yeah, yeah. The, the Oscar pool, <laughs> uh, which since entering, I think Rachel's won twice now. No, she won this year. And I won last year, mm-hmm. and Brendan won the year before. Brendan year, Brendan won most of the years before that. Yes, yeah, yeah. He's really good at it. He is, but both me and him have fallen off a little bit here in the last year slash two. Well, uh, clearly, because what you haven't done is mm-hmm. gone, ignored it completely all the way through Oscar season, and then gone on a website the day of the Oscars and, <laughs> and guess what they did? Yeah, just went with whatever Vegas was picking. Sure, yeah, <laughs> why not? Yeah, uh, I guess to finish off the Parasite being. Uh, nominated or winning best picture here the first foreign language film to win best picture do you think this changes things going forward because i mean it, it it's it could be that parasite was just that good mm-hmm. and it broke through in a way i mean like roma was nominated the year before mm-hmm. uh but you know a lot of people didn't sort of see that as like a mexican production as much as it was a netflix production that yeah. happened to take place in mexico like well i think also uh roma was very like artistic and a bit pretentious. It was ho- a Hollywood movie. Mm-hmm. Parasite. It was more of a traditional Academy fair. Yeah. And Parasite was, if you spoke Korean, that was just like a horror thriller. Yeah. It was exotic because we don't speak Korean, you, but. I, I guess the thing that I found, and I, I was like listening to the review I had of Parasite a little earlier, and it was like, I kept thinking, the thing I kept saying after seeing it was that I feel like it's just not. It's hard to judge foreign languages in acting because you can't quite feel the intonations and how people are speaking the same as if you know the language fluently. So, I mean, like, there's kind of like a friend's quality to watching the actors of Parasite because Mm -hmm. you are reading what they're saying and you can look at their actions and sort of judge how it's being portrayed. Did you, you know this one with Gladwell and the friend's? Like where people would were being put in the room and told to watch Friends on. Oh, mute. but they took the uh, the laughter out and people. No, didn't they know took where to the laugh? mute. They they muted the audio. Oh, oh, okay. And it's just like tell us what's happening in the scene just based off of what you're seeing. Okay. And most people could follow an episode of Friends without actually hearing what the actors were saying because their their body language was so clear mm. that you could just sort of follow it. See, I, and I, I felt like the same thing was happening with. 
Parasite, even though I couldn't understand. It's like because I couldn't understand Korean. Yeah. I had the same sort of like, well, I'm basically listening on mute kind of thing. Well, I I prefer the Friends experiment where if you pull out the laugh track, you don't know where to laugh uh, (laughs) because it's not really that funny. Um, But no, I I think that there there is a measure of goddamn the exotic nature of of it. It was like, oh, it's good and it's foreign and and uh, and it's not too off the beaten path from what we're used to. Yeah, but um, damn, what was it? Your point was, god damn it, you were just saying that. you lose the intonations of the voices. Yeah. Oh, and uh, yeah, I was going to say, I've been talking all week about that fight from the marriage story. And yeah. How important. Imagine being a non-English speaker and trying to follow that yeah. while you're reading subtitles. Like It just doesn't do it justice to read the words that they're saying. Especially because, because it was so articulate. It was so rehearsed. I mean, like yeah. I, I'm not trying to say this in a bad way because it, it felt very natural. It was a bad But it was so rehearsed uh, how they had to, to, to practice it. Yeah. Uh, that you know, certain words are cutting off at certain points, so that you get that like, you know, me, her, me, her, me, her. Both of like, us a yeah. little bit talking over each other, right? And the I the, again the intonation of saying like I am saying this thing, but I knowing that you're speaking English and me also speaking English here, that you're trying that, to be hurtful, but you're so sad. There's so much sadness behind it, and I wouldn't know that if I. Didn't and I mean, know like it. you know, like we. we we were laughing about, uh, you know, like, don't cry in front of the Mexicans and stuff like that. And part of the reason why that's so funny, it's not like if you read it on the subtitles, it, you would be laughing hysterically. It's just because Brad puts, like, a little bit of stank on it. Yeah. When he's just like, come on, don't cry in front of the Mexicans. Like, it just sounds like... But if it was just like... <laughs> you wouldn't like... Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I wouldn't understand how it was funnier. Like, that seems racist to me. I don't know. <laughs> it's like, it is, but it's a period piece, and he puts the southern twang on yeah, it. Yeah, and it's just, it just he's seems... He's got like... his shirt off, man. We don't care. <laughs> this, that being said, uh, uh, I, I've discussed the idea of, like, the Oscars shouldn't really happen in the day, the year that it, it, it takes place. Like, yeah, we should really think about it for a couple of years. Yeah. Uh, Social Network would be an Oscar winner if we had a couple of years to like think about it. Yeah. Um, so if we're putting, if we're zooming ahead like five, 10, 15 years, what do you think we're looking at in 2019 as like the best movie experience of the year? Do you think that Parasite is the one that will like live on? Uh, no, the- no. I mean, I, uh, it's hard to say. I mean, I think 1917 has that kind of staying power that I could watch that movie again and again and again mm. and it probably because you'd probably find different little things in the background happening every time you watch it i think it'll play really well for people when they discover it on streaming at yeah. some point if it's on like prime or netflix or whatever then people will find it eventually and they'll be like oh my god this thing and i think the other part of that is like uh well little women also i think will have that kind of legs because people will start showing that to their classes it's such a good version of yeah, that yeah, story yeah. that when you're 14 in english one and you watch that it may impact you in a way that you're like, I just love that movie. Well, what, what's great about Little Women is it's a faithful adaptation of the book, basically. Yeah. It's, uh, the the timeline timeline is a little bit different, but I feel like the choices that were made for the timeline are better. But it's also like a non-stuffy p- version of Little Women. Like, it's not performed like Civil War, like, you know, oh, dear Beth, I hope you find your way to the market. Right, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Anything like that. It's like... Plain more modern, and the cast is incredible. So, yes. <laughs> uh, but Wait, so, I, 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 mean, I still think I, I still think uh, Little Women will probably have that a bit. I think uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood will probably be the one we remember 
Because once we don't have Tarantino anymore, I feel like we'll look at it a lot differently. You know, like... I mean, there, that is true, too. It's the, He kind of knocked it out of a park on a movie that everyone was expecting him to do that on. And that's, a, I feel like, a harder feat in a degree. You know, like, people weren't necessarily saying the director of Snowpiercer is going to blow my mind with his next movie. Yeah. So yeah. you're able to, like... <laughs> Uh, prepare yourself, like you know, like when when you go into the movie and you get blown away by something, you're just like, oh my god, I wasn't expecting this, and it feels so much better. Yeah. But if you have high expectations already, and then somebody meets those high expectations, it's almost like that's a more difficult thing that doesn't get enough credit. Well, and I also think that there is a there's a level in that of when Tarantino isn't with us anymore, we will build a thing of like, so the first three movies were right. in this phase of his life, and then the middle three he went this other direction, but then. He Those started going into three, like revisionist history. Yeah, then it got <laughs> real interesting with this crazy thing that he did. And then the 10th movie that no one thought was coming. He said he was going to do 10, yeah. and he did his 10th movie, and it just blew us all away. But it was, you know, it was the one led up to that. It was, he'd got Leo and Brad in a movie together, and they just knocked it out of the park. And then Brad in that movie actually knocked uh, Jackie Chan, not Jackie. <laughs> Bruce Lee. Bruce Lee yeah. out of the park. <laughs> That was really funny. I screwed up that one. <laughs> Jackie Chan. Oh, well. Uh, anyway, but yeah. So uh, Hollywood's night, and uh, of course we celebrate because we celebrate uh, Hollywood. Yep. And someday we'll be there because they need seat fillers every single year. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I saw some people on my Instagram story who were like there at the Dolby. Yeah. And I, I don't know like for what reason or anything like that. I was just like, that's cool though. Yeah. That's, a, that's pretty neat. I think though it's a little bit like... Um, Going on the field during the Super Bowl, like there's p- professional players who are there because yeah. they're buddies on it, one of the teams that's playing. It's got to just be cruel where you're like there and you're in the audience and there's no chance your name gets called <laughs> at all. Yeah. Eh, there's something about that. Just like, well, no, I guess you get to enjoy it a little bit more because you don't have to worry about the like, if you're fucking, uh, you know, like, uh, oh, goddamn, uh, director of joker god damn it why can't i remember todd phillips todd phillips yes uh if you're todd phillips you're just sitting there all night going like come on fucking best director give it to me give it to me give it to me and like every award that comes up it's just like no we're gonna do costume and he's like fuck costume come on let's get get the fucking best director let's just do it come on i'm tired of just sitting here see the difference is i smiling and clapping give me the fucking award i will have walked in there knowing i went to i don't know why i'm giving todd phillips this like really dark interior because that was his movie. Fuck costume design. <laughs> but I feel like I would walk in there knowing I went to zero Oscar parties. I put zero effort into the push. So there's about a 1% chance of me winning. I'm just there to see what happens. But there is a chance. That's the thing. There's a when chance. You, when you get called, you have a piece of shrimp in your mouth. Like, oh? What? <laughs> Wait, seriously? I mean, okay. That's cool. Thanks. Yeah. Oh, my God. I got to pull up the guillotine speech on my phone. Hold on a second here. Just... It'll be worth it. Just hold it with me. It's in my notes here. Somewhere. Like, yeah, thank you to uh, <laughs> uh, my parents. He said that uh, I was making the biggest mistake of my life. <laughs> Da-da! Uh, to uh, Corey, been supportive all these years. Uh, Roberto, wherever you are, sorry about those Trump years, buddy. Uh, we'll get you back in eventually. Uh, <laughs> well, thank you to all the women in my life. And uh, remember, the guillotines are the solution to everything. Where are you going with the mic? <laughs> Take to the streets tonight, people. Take to the streets. Uh... The one thing you you shouldn't forget though, yeah, when, when you're in that moment, is uh, Anchor.fm forward slash show the anthem. Oh, that's Just right. Letting yeah. you know, yeah, that uh, that would help a lot if you could drop that on the Academy Awards stage. I mean, I feel like people would go to go and <laughs> to check it out. Yeah, yeah it's uh, Anchor.fm forward slash show the anthem. Uh, or it's maybe... the place where you can find us on any podcatcher. So I, I don't see why 
they wouldn't find immediate value in that as well. Yeah, so. I, but I mean, it is a visual medium because it's the Oscar, so maybe they would want to go to YouTube.com forward slash Oh the Anthem. True. Because they can get the video from every single episode, mm-hmm. including not just the episodes of the podcast, but all of the stuff that we've been working on. So if you're in the, you know, maybe it's the sound categories. We want to make sure we throw out the anchor. Right, FM. yeah. Uh, sound editing and uh, sound design, uh, which no <laughs> one knows. Sound mixing. Oh, sound mixing, whatever it is. Uh, no one knows what the difference between those two things is, but you do know what anchor.fm is. Uh, yeah. And for the visuals, make sure you go on over to youtube.com forward slash or the anthem. So uh, w- let's from go from that to something we actually do have a splash for. I wish I'd been more prepared for that. And uh, we're going to sports ball. So th- are you good? Yeah, uh, I'm good. This is a topic that I was. 95% sure we talked about last week, and then we were like, nope, there was no way we could have possibly talked about it last week. So Because uh, uh, the news dropped on Tuesday, and this is a continuing in the series of, that had to have happened like seven weeks ago, right? <laughs> <laughs> when you're talking about something that happened this week. We're in the 71st week of January now. Uh, uh, Mookie Betts was uh, traded to the Dodgers. It officially happened today. It was uh, uh, There was a little bit of a false start on it uh, earlier this week. Um, but it's a uh, year-in, year-out MVP candidate moving to already one of the most talented teams in the National League. Yeah. And creating, uh, assuming that uh, Jock Peterson doesn't get traded again, creating uh, quite the outfield between Bellinger and Betts and uh, Jock Peterson. Yeah. So and, and like I said in the pre-show meeting, it's not just like an incredible outfield as far as defense goes, but then those three got to come up to bat at some point <laughs> in that lineup. So um, it's it's a nice little setup for the Dodgers. Yeah. And basically everybody this week has been saying, well, you know, if this team stays the way it is and, and people don't get traded away. Right. Um, then this might be the team to beat. But the Nationals look good. Uh, the Angels are looking all right. I mean, yeah. Mike Trout, so that's always something. And never count out the Baltimore Orioles because you <laughs> never know where Listen, those guys want. They're up. plucky. Uh, I'll <laughs> give them that. They're team. plucky. It's a plucky. It's a who's lot the, of who's a lot the of no lunchbox name, heroes on this team. Who's the no name person we're going to put our hopes in this year to rescue <laughs> the season for the team? Uh, that Chris Davis guy has been. He's had a good career before. I like it when you're looking at stats after the first month and you're just like, huh, Hanser Alberto is hitting 300. Hmm. I wonder if he can keep it up. Let me go grab one of those jerseys before they fly <laughs> off the shelves. Uh, and I'll be able to wear that for exactly seven more weeks before he gets. Uh, I love buying back. player T-shirts of football numbers. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing makes me happier than buying an Alberto 57 jersey. Oh. <laughs> uh. It's a professional lineman. Come on, he's got the body <laughs> by, of a lineman. By too. the way, it's super weird. by the way, uh, not to not to pick on the Orioles, uh, but they asked me. Uh, the, I got a call this week asking if I wanted to buy opening day tickets. Yeah, yeah. Um, by the way, because I was a, a previous season ticket holder. Did so. they tell you the price? Yes. Yeah, yeah. Starting at ninety nine dollars for a four pack. Oh, okay. I was gonna see for the four pack. All yeah. right, okay. Not the tickets we had before. No, no, no. I'm I sure we a, could upgrade and get those if we wanted to. I got an email with uh, the ticket package we had before, which I believe was the 18 game package. No, it's like 20, 20 something, 22, it? 21 game something package. Something like that. Yeah. Uh, and do you remember how much we paid for that package? I mean, not offhand. I think it was like roughly 
twenty three dollars a seat or something like yes. that. Yes. Yeah. Uh, actually, I think we get that was the face value, and we got them for like fifteen. Well, because they seat. they had different prices for different games. Okay. Like if it was yeah. a, like a legend game. So technically, the Yankee tickets, like if you looked at it, it would say thirty bucks or something like that. But if you went to a Blue Jay game, it would say like fifteen. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so like. Uh, all I know is that I am pretty sure the prices now are higher than when we had the season tickets, which was only three years, four years, three years ago. Yeah, four years. Wow. This would be the. No, this would be the third season, right? Twenty. We yeah. were there for twenty sixteen. Yeah. Seventeen, eighteen. Uh, this would be the fourth season. Yeah. Um, and the prices are higher than when we were there. Well, you know the economy's booming, so. Yeah. We delayed our trip because <laughs> the team. In Baltimore. We delayed our trip because the team. Almost made the playoffs that year. Yeah. And you guys have had two seasons where you barely, I mean, no, you didn't make the 500. You barely made it out of the 50s in, um, in wins. In yeah. wins. And you're going to try to upsell me on a damn ticket for the same? No. Well, no. no. I'll, I'll say this uh, good hustle by the Orioles to try and get me to uh, get like a four game pack. Yeah. Um, Including opening day, right? Yeah. Yeah. I explained to them that uh, I go to probably like, Five or six Oriole games a year, but most of them are not in Baltimore. So. Yeah, yeah. Um, not there often <laughs> enough to justify it. Yeah. I go to three Oriole Angel games a year. Hey. And then, uh, you know, uh, they play close enough. I'll, I'll go see them elsewhere. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I, I mean, I'd go home for opening day. I just feel like it would be a lot of money spent. And I want to, like, book it and then get a job or something like that, you know? like Yeah, also the disappointment of losing on opening day at home. Well, I mean... <laughs> I would I would know it's coming, which would <laughs> I guess that's something. Just like Ford versus Ferrari at Best Picture. It's just like I'm just happy to be here. <laughs> we're well, not it we're not expecting much. I will say Our, the studio who put us out was literally bought and Disney forgot about us, so we're just happy to be here. <laughs> uh something that was not disappointing though was the XFL opening <laughs> weekend. Oh my gosh. So you guys, most of you probably are not old enough to remember the first version of the XFL, <laughs> but uh, How dare you? <laughs> I do. I remember the XFL. Uh, not everyone who listens is people who work at your shop. I mean, yeah, but mo- uh, there are a lot around that age. That's just most. We're older than most of the people in the United States now who would listen to a computer <laughs> radio per show. Um, but um, yeah, it wasn't as exciting, but mostly because they they are putting in rules to stop the headhunting. There was a lot of uh, XFL stuff that was just like, I'm going to hit you as hard as I can, and I'm going to try to separate your head from your neck. Now they're doing the whole different thing, which is we put the safety of our players first. Yeah. And we can make the game exciting in different ways. There were a lot of hits that were close, huh? but were legal hits, and they looked like they were a lot of fun. So yeah. I'll put it that and um, the kickoff style being different, I did not mind it at all. I thought I liked it was better. It. I, I thought it opened up plays, and it didn't like have people charging each other, like having like a forty yard run up to <laughs> tackle somebody. Yeah, and there, there's not the like. What's the 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 lot after watching that? The logic of like running backwards for forty yards to turn around and then run into somebody. I well, I mean, like you have you have people staggered down. Yeah. To like, I play football, buddy. I know, I know how it works. <laughs> but just like the idea that like your your runners on the outside, your jets on the outside, yeah. are literally sprinting, and then your guys that are defending them are trying to get ahead just enough that after you make the catch, you turn and level the guy who's been yeah, sprinting yeah, yeah. down the field. What logic does that make? Like, let's all start further down the field. Nobody move until the ball is received. Yeah. 
and then we're going to end up somewhere in the 35-yard range. Yeah. Great. And if you kick it out of bounds and don't put it in play, the penalty is so big. Well, what I really liked about the XFL here was that the uh, it, it didn't feel like WWE football like it did last time. Right. Yeah. Uh, I feel like last time was so poorly put together that they, they had all the WWE people doing like Jim oh Ross God. Jim Ross was calling the football games which like was fun but like not necessarily like I wanted I was hoping that it wouldn't be the WWE you yeah. know like I was hoping for like a separate league altogether and I feel like this version of the XFL is doing a much better job of doing that like it feels like a legitimate football league mm-hmm. uh the things that make it feel cheap or off brand are not like things that like are necessarily huge concerns at this moment. Like, you know, like sometimes the uniforms look a little like eh, where are they where are they playing? Washington DC. <laughs> like in DC? They're playing at Audi Field, the place where the the DC United play. Yeah. Oh, that's not in DC either. Well, mm-hmm. it's just outside, isn't it? Yeah, closer than Redskins Stadium. Yeah, I mean it's not its own town in the middle of <laughs> nowhere. The only place the only way you can get there is by paying seventy five dollars for parking. So but yeah, so it's a uh, DC, Chicago, Seattle, Houston, LA, and somebody else. New da- York, Dallas. I don't think it's Chicago. Maybe it's not. Da- maybe it's Dallas, Houston, Tampa. Is there one in Florida? Yeah, Florida the Vipers does not deserve professional sports. <laughs> when are we keep learn? we keep doing this. I yeah. don't know. But uh, yeah, it's it was exciting. I, it was. A little off-brand, but mostly because they were playing in, in stadiums that are, like, the size of... Uh, I mean, like, I, I feel like if this league has a couple years to, like, get underneath... Yeah. Uh, get its feet underneath of it, it would be uh, uh, easier to... It, it'll be more of a thing. The problem is that these new leagues cost so much money, and oh, it's the, 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 the amount that you're sinking into it just yeah. feels like you're never going to make it back. It's, like, uh, it's the Blackhawks. That's why I was thinking Chicago. Right? Uh, okay. Or the Warhawks or something. Some kind of Hawks. Yeah, hold on. Let's see here. DC Defenders, Seattle Dragons, Houston Roughnecks, LA Wildcats, New York Guardians, Tampa Bay Vipers, St. Louis Battlehawks. Ah, so it's is. not yeah. Chicago, it's St. Louis. And Dallas, yeah. Renegades. So But but here's the deal. It's it I came up on that Friday and got And like our a, beloved Wildcats lost by twenty, by the way, just in case you were killed. <laughs> uh we were watching that game too. That was not a good not next good game. next weekend I'm gonna put a lot of money on the XFL. <laughs> They um, but wait, go, in, go, go in early, put some money on a on a uh, <laughs> on an LA Wildcats game. Oh, the other good decision they made: <clears throat> you came up on this Friday and you're like, "Oh, no football for the yeah. first time in so long." There's no football. Oh, but wait, yes, there is football this week. And what happened last time is that Vince McMahon's ego got in the way, and he was like, "We can compete with the NFL. People will watch the games. It's fun. We're gonna put them on Saturday. There's no football <laughs> on Saturday." I I also yeah. enjoy uh, the the fact that uh, somebody in the scheduling department at the XFL yeah. has uh, lived on the West Coast for a while because the start times on the East Coast games are eleven o'clock mm. for the Pacific time. Yes, people. So uh, th- for whatever reason, ten o'clock on a Sunday just feels like a slap in the face. Like mm-hmm. you never want to like wake up that early on a Sunday when you're supposed to be like sleeping in and yeah. like, catching up on the week and stuff like that. Oh, I mean, I was at work at seven thirty, so I don't know anything about that. Yeah. I mean, I mean, like you just did your Monday, Monday through Friday and you know, the weekend has come. You slept in a little bit on Saturday, but then on Sunday you have to wake up early because you have an East coast Ravens game to wake up, you know, 10 o'clock AM. <laughs> well, you know, you wake up at nine to get ready to go out. True. Somewhere Cause yeah. you can't watch it on TV at home. <laughs> 
Oh, twerk. If it was so easy. Yes. Yeah. But uh, I, I'm for what it's worth, I'm excited. I'll watch the whole season. I'm I might even go to well. a game. I don't know. I, we'll, I would we'll like see. to. It's like 20 bucks in the door. Like, how can you beat that? I mean, we got to go to fucking Carson. That's but. the <laughs> only problem is going to <laughs> Staples Arena or whatever it is. StubHub. Stub, well, now it's the Dignity Sports Health Center what? or something. Guys, stop it. Stop it. <laughs> But here's the ironic thing I was going to say. It looks a little rinky-dink only because they're playing in smaller stadiums. And then I realized the Wildcats and the Chargers play at the same yeah. stadium. And it may be more full for a Wildcats game. Than well, it you know, I, I was uh, uh, a, a lot of them were playing in, in lesser stadiums, if you will. Yeah. Uh, but the the DC or the uh, New York Guardians team was playing in MetLife Field. Yeah. And yeah. I was like. There's going to be some games where it looks pretty empty in there. Yeah, yeah, it's a big stadium. It's uh, eighty thousand seats. It's yep. going to be tough to to pull make. the tarps. Pull the tarps. <laughs> Just shame tarps on ninety percent of the field. Look how full it is, Jim. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of tarps out there. <laughs> Those tarps just spell out like New York loves the Guardians. <laughs> <laughs> All the way around yeah. the top of the stadium. Yeah, we got it. It's fine. But throw a couple state farms in there. Oh yeah, We're sponsorship good. opportunities, guys. We got this. Uh, but anyway, so uh, wait, I almost played the wrong one. Uh, but that uh, that sports ball. So yes, is it, are you adjusting it? Is that yeah? It's a little uh, loud. I'll explain it later. Okay, sure. <laughs> it's not something the whole audience needs to know. Okay. <laughs> Uh, anywho, uh, politics. Yes. Yes. So, uh, as usually tradition in a show like this, where we talk about the most important news stories of the week, mm-hmm. we saved the uh, acquittal of the impeachment of the president for uh, the last segment here. I mean, yes, but <laughs> was it clearly it means so much to us? Was it unexpected? No, I mean, the moment the vote on witnesses went through, it was just like, all right, so this is over. The moment um, Trump became president, and they talked about how no, they're going yeah. to impeach him, it became like. What is this old shit? You know, like, but I, I'm glad the Democrats did it. Uh, I think that it was necessary to show that you're willing to take that step uh, to call him on shit. Yeah, I mean, uh, his next term, he'll know that uh, he's got to walk the line. I so. feel like I feel like uh, it really hurts a lot of Republican senators, which is nice. Um, but at the same time, I, I'm just so some of the old guard of the Democratic Party who is in charge of like how operations run on the Hill uh, are so horribly inept and need to go. I mean, like I, I totally understand why everyone hates Nancy Pelosi, because she is just the worst at this. Uh, she's not the the master chess player like McConnell is. Yeah. She's not on that level of like. Mostly because she won't do the dirty things that she needs to win. Yeah, I mean, and Mitch McConnell will, just has no soul about it. Like he'll turn the any, whole board over and be like, "Well, I was over here." He's like, "No, you weren't. You weren't." Here. No, no I like I, I fully expect someday McConnell to like walk into our room and just being like, "We're not a country anymore." <laughs> just like what? Not a country. No, we gave it up. Yeah, it was standing in the way of us being able to build a dam. Just like, <laughs> seems like a lot riding on this dam, Mitt. Yep, yeah. It's a line we had to draw. Yeah, it's like. Well, okay. Like, fine, I guess. Here's the deal. We have a minimum age to for someone to be a member of the House and a member of the Senate. Yeah. Isn't it time, given that lifespans have increased, for us to put a maximum age on it as well? 
I mean, like, we put a minimum age because people need to reach reach a level of maturity before taking a place in that body. But I think some of these people have lived, lived a, a life that is full and have reached an age of over-maturity for that position. Uh, and if we're not going to do term limits, can we at least do... How about this? How about just you're not allowed to take in any, in any money that's not your government salary? Yo, no, no, listen, though. Citizens United says that that is allowed. Oh, wait, I understand, speech. but I'm saying, like, you know, the the reason why Mitch McConnell doesn't care when one of his constituents calls him is because he doesn't need to worry about the money that... The, if he never makes another dollar off of somebody who actually lives in Kentucky again, he's mm. going to be fine. By the way, how many of you knew what state Mitch McConnell was the uh, senator from before? Corey just said the state. And how many of you missed it and could still not tell me what state Mitch McConnell is the <laughs> senator from? Because nobody seems to know. Yeah. He's, he's like, oh, well, he's the head of the Senate, right? Yeah. What state's he from? Uh, I mean, like, he's elected to the head of the Senate. Nope. That's not <laughs> how that works. Wasn't nationally elected as the head of the Senate. Nope. He had to be a senator first. Yep. And then all of that cohort is the one who put him in charge of that. But yeah, I, it's. But I mean, like, it, it's one of those things. Like, you know, McConnell is, and has for a long time been one of the most unpopular people in government. Yeah, he he has like a twelve percent approval rating. Nobody really likes him. Uh, he's going to win Kentucky again in a landslide, even yeah. though it feels like he's got an actual opponent this, like Amy McGrath or something like that, yeah. who's running against him. Uh, it looks like it'll be well. a tighter contest than it usually will, but that still means he's going to win by. 40 points yeah but so, i mean like, also he's been raising money forever and has never had a competition and you so. know uh, the the uh sort of going into the iowa clusterfuck here uh all the democrats who are fucking uh ruining this uh need to understand that the consequences are not just the fact that trump is the president and you're trying to unseat him you have to win the primary process you have to like get through enough so that you have a plurality so yep. that you can be the nominee on the convention and you could go on to be the nominee for the general election have money in which to do so yeah and uh have some sort of organization in place uh because right now trump has 200 million dollars just sitting in a war chest (laughs) he has actual like top line republican talent running his campaign now Mm -hmm. it's not just you know fucking jared kushner figuring it out in the back like they got people who can make signs and put them up in stadiums and get higher security and do all the things that Trump just had no understanding of how to do. Yeah. Like when he was running for the the job, early, you know? in, like, early in the race, yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah he yeah. got it when he became the nominee. But I mean, but... like you got to remember, he fired like three different campaign yeah. heads because, like, at various points in time, like it, it just they weren't able to live up to what he needed for a campaign. He, he needed to graduate to somebody who knew what they were doing. Aren't you know, two of those guys in jail now? Well, yes, but I mean, <laughs> doesn't change the fact that they were there. That's because, true. That's true. Yes. I mean, it, it's just, uh, this whole Iowa thing is such a mess because yeah. you, there was a real chance to be able to crown somebody uh, on caucus night. Mm-hmm. It would have been, Probably the end of Joe Biden's run. Thank God. If he, if they, the results would have been in on time. Yeah. Uh, Pete would have gotten a huge bump. Yeah. For effectively winning. I mean, there's some conversation about like how much of the delegate count should go to him, seeing as Bernie had like a higher count in the uh, actual votes cast for him. He won in the popular vote, if you will, and Pete won the Electoral College of Iowa. Aren't we used to that though? <laughs> That's how uh, it works. Yes, uh, the question is, uh, uh, now that Iowa's over, 
Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, we're moving on to New Hampshire. Should we be saying it's over for Iowa and the number one spot for future elections? Well, it can never be because there is a law in Iowa that the Iowa caucus will be held one week to the day before the first um, uh, event held by any other state. Yeah, but I mean, that can that can change. That's that's just no. no it, how can it change? Iowa's law says whatever, whenever someone schedules their first, uh, the first event of the election season, ours will be one week before. I'm pretty sure New Hampshire is the only one with the law. Nope. That uh, they have to be the first primary in the... I am telling you, the Iowa caucus is one week before the first event held. No less than one let week me, Let me, let me uh, rephrase the question then. Much like I brought up that the Baltimore Police Department, for their ineffective... Uh, ability to do their job don't deserve a spy plane sure uh the iowa democrats having shown an inability to do this job should they get the right of being able to host the first events of the political season how about this uh it's a caucus why the hell do we need a two billion dollar app to pull this off yeah why can't we have be like hey show of hands all right I got well, seven. I mean, there Wait, was is the there pro- anybody here for uh, Marty O'Malley? No? <laughs> All right. Okay, I got a zero for uh, him. Anyone um, who is there, you got to find a new camp. Yeah, yeah you're out. Uh, <laughs> sorry. Um, the five of you did not make 15%. I'm sorry. But it's just, it's listen, they're getting pressure to make it a more digital election, which they don't need to. The, I think the largest of these precincts was like 1,700 people. Yeah. You could do a paper ballot in that easily. It's damn Iowa. But we we let a bunch of rednecks try to develop an app, and it didn't work. Well, there you go. That's what happens. That's what you get. So let's just let them do it their way. I think the original way was everybody takes a piece of corn, you drop it into (laughs) some kind of a pot, and then they count the kernels, something like that. I don't remember. But it's something very rednecky. I I also would like to, uh, for the people who uh, don't remember their history, Mm -hmm. would like to say that this same exact thing happened on the Republican side uh, eight years ago. Was it? That was Romney. Romney, yeah. Yeah. Eight years ago, because Santorum actually won Iowa. Yeah. But there was some confusion because of how the votes were being tabulated and like what districts were in, stuff like that. And we had basically the same thing on the Republican side where people were like, Romney was effectively saying he won. Yes. But Santorum actually won in a very close vote. But he didn't get the traditional Iowa bump because it took him like four days to figure out that Santorum actually won. Yeah. And by then, he was already, like, Romney was more or less, like, coronated at that moment. Yep. And then it was off to the races from there. And, I mean, I don't think that uh, Pete was going to be coronated by any stretch, no matter what happened in Iowa. Because uh, then you have this long stretch of, like, New Hampshire, where Bernie is probably going to pull it out in a yeah. landslide. But it, it at least gave him a lot of headway on everyone else going into... Well, I mean, like, you feel better if you're Pete Buttigieg than you do if you're Amy Klobuchar. Yes. Because like, yeah. finishing fifth... While with more higher percentage than I think most of us would have figured, yeah, still twelve point three percent of Iowa is not making you like spitting distance to Joe Biden. Though. Yeah, I mean, you're not feeling like. I guess the the idea that they might have is if Biden drops out and the moderates are not in love with Pete because like he's too young, he's just been a mayor, blah blah blah. Mm-hmm. maybe a healthy percentage of that 15.8% that Biden gets goes to Klobuchar, and now she's playing at, you know, mid-20s. Right, and she's back in the race, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, mid-20s puts her right with Pete and Bernie. And, yeah. 
you know, if Warren drops out and maybe she gets more of a woman, but you know, like I, I think she's seen trying to see the chess pieces as like if other people drop out. That sounds like a little O'Malley math to me, though. It's just <laughs> yeah. like, listen, let me tell you how I could win this race, all right? There's five of us right now. I just need four of those five to drop out and to give me their total support, and then I'll only be slightly behind Bernie, and we'll be in <laughs> on our way. It's, I'm only, I'm not far. You add all those percentages to the 0% that I have, and I'll be right in there. And I mean, like, uh, I, it, to me, it's interesting that uh, I feel like if anyone was going to drop out at this point, it would have been Yang or Steyer. Yeah. Because they did... You know, like nothing. Couple percentage points each. Uh, didn't get any delegates. Like just completely on the outside looking in. Um, I don't know. I, I don't see what the viability of their campaigns are. I think Yang made the promise that he was going to make it all the way to New Hampshire no matter what. So we're gonna. I see mean, what he can pay for it if yeah. he needs. Yeah. You know, so like, I, you know, maybe he's just hoping that uh, once he gets to New Hampshire, like he gets ten percent of the vote, and they can make some sort of argument. Like we're we're building the momentum. Yeah. Like, and it's northeastern former Republican Democrats there, so maybe his like, hey, I'm a businessman and I know what I'm doing. Yeah, um, ha- makes w- waves there. I feel like uh, the two whitest states leading off this thing don't really help. Like. For- in terms of uh, yeah, I, a mar- minority candidate. My tweet of the my favorite tweet of the week is: Can we stop talking about the Iowa caucus? We have a much more important, less demographically uh, representative <laughs> primary to talk about that's happening next week. Like, yeah. if there is a one place we could go that less represents the United States than Iowa, it's New Hampshire. So <laughs> let's go over there yeah. and care about who is voting in Dixie's Hollow or whatever that fucking place is called. Um, what's it called? I, I know what you're talking about. I can't remember. It's from, uh, it's from the West Wing. You should it's, know. Uh, Hartsfield Landing. Hartsfield Landing. Yeah. 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 Actually, I don't think that's the name of the real town. It's though. not, but that's the one. That's from the, the one they West used Wing. in the West Wing. Yes. Yeah. I think uh, something hollow is actually the name of the town. Yeah. But uh, Gophers Hollow. Gophers. Does that does has it held up recently? I, I haven't followed it. No. So it's not representative anymore. It hasn't been since like 2012. But they're okay. still the very first people to vote. In a primary. There, yeah, there was... So, uh, what we're discussing is they, they made reference to this place on, on the West Wing at one point. Uh, there's one town in New Hampshire that votes ahead of everybody else, and they do it sort of caucus style, where they read the names of the people in the town aloud. And because they do it, like, the night before the Iowa caucus... Well, no. No. They was do it, like, first thing in the morning or something? They, they meet at midnight on primary day, and oh, okay. there's only, like, 27 registered voters in the town, so it's easy to be, like, voice vote. Yeah. How do you vote? How do you vote? How do you vote? And they're technically the first people to actually vote because a caucus is a caucus, not a vote. Yeah. Uh, in the nation. Yeah. And so it used to be that the outcome of that would, would be what you're talking about all day. Yeah. Like, well, you know, Biden did really well at Hartsfield. Like, and they they had determined like seventy five percent of the elections in the a hundred years before that. Yeah. But then America. Went I mean, there crazy, were some so. of them that were like, you know, they predicted it was like a, both a Republican and a Democratic primary, and they predicted. Yeah, <laughs> the nominee, but not necessarily the the winner of the, the winner final, of yeah. the final election. Hard to do with a uh, sample of twenty seven voters, <laughs> so not exactly scientific. I always like when uh, when uh, we we go away from like you know the the math with huge sample sizes, and we go to the chicken bones and Hartfield's Landing. Yes, just, yeah. Um, what did the twenty seven witches of New Hampshire have to say? <laughs> however, you do know what else New Hampshire brings us, don't you? No, what. My favorite presidential repetitive candidate ever. 
Vermin, Vermin Supreme. Supreme is back in the race. Not only is he back in the race, but there is a chance that my two favorite candidates are going to face <laughs> off against each other. Because Vermin Supreme oh, man, and all they got glory. in a fist fight. If Pete Buttigieg got in a fist fight with Vermin Supreme, it would be the most 2020 story I've ever heard. <gasps> Vermin Supreme stepped out in the street and called out Pete Buttigieg. <laughs> Uh, as he was getting into his car and then blocked its path and wouldn't let him leave. And I'm like, this is the most 2020 thing that could possibly happen. The openly gay former Afghanistan and Iraq veteran being called out by a guy with a boot on his head and be telling stop, you need to bait me, you coward. Like, this is democracy. And listen, I keep pitching all of you on, just give me... Absolute power. 18 years of absolute power. I promise at the end of it, I will turn it back over and we can go back to democracy. But this is what we've degraded into. And someone has just got to take the reins and say, enough is enough of this. Mitch McConnell on the one hand, Pete Buttigieg being called out by a guy with a boot on his head on the other. Okay, but hold on. Here's the problem. And, and this is something that's weighing on me right now. Yes. Because I'm voting in the Democratic primary in mm -hmm. California here. It's on Super Tuesday, so it's going to have big influence. Sure, yeah. Um, I don't know necessarily if a vote for anyone other than Bernie means anything. I, I think it does. Uh, it's looking like it's going to be a lot closer yeah. than originally predicted, so perhaps. We're but still then ways off from Super The Tuesday. question that, that uh, people who are going into the polls in New Hampshire today, if they're listening on the day that it's released, and why wouldn't you? Yep, of course. Um they're going to be asking themselves, who am I pulling the lever for? Yeah. So uh, we're, right now, sort of like uh, really early on in the process here, who do you think is showing the best ability to be the leader that the Democrats should just sort of like fall in line behind? Because that's the, pro you know, a lot of the traditional Democrats are saying Bernie's too far to the left. He's mm -hmm. going to divide this country even more. Uh, you know, Trump's just going to talk Democratic Socialists the entire time. It'll be over. A lot of people are saying Joe's the way to go, but Joe has not proven his ability to do that at all. Uh, so I will say that if I was the one pulling the lever. If you were the vote for California. Yes. My vote would be for the lever that drops the guillotine down on the neck of democracy. But uh, absent that. Um <laughs> Who should they vote for? I don't for? think that's a candidate. Oh, it's I mean, not. Vermin Supreme may be I mean, registered as no, a candidate. No, no, no. Because his thing you is... You don't want to tie Vermin into the... Ponies, into ponies, and, uh, ponies and zombies. That's his <laughs> thing. Ponies and zombies. Uh, but here's the deal. Uh, Bernie is the guy who's on the left. Probably furthest left of everybody there. Is, or is Trump going to talk about socialists the whole time? Yes. But if Biden gets elected, Trump's going to call him a socialist too. Yeah. And it doesn't really fucking matter. At least... At least uh, Bernie is going to come out there, and as you said last week, he's been the same guy since day one. Yeah. A crazy Vermont Democrat, or independent, uh, depending on how you look at it, but from the very beginning, a leftist from the beginning. Yeah. However, he's going to lose. He's going to lose to Trump. If you want to beat Trump and not just stand up for democratic values, the person you need to vote for is Pete Buttigieg. And all of my leftist friends, especially the people at work, have been like, how can you be on that? And I'm like... If you want a Democrat to win, that's who you need. Iowa just showed you who is going to beat Trump. Mm -hmm. Because every person left of center voted for Bernie. Yeah. And every person who is like, I cannot vote for one of these extreme leftists, voted for Pete. And those guys are the ones that on the other side of the aisle, there is a lot of those Republicans who are saying, I cannot vote for Trump. You got to give them someone to vote I, for. I feel like uh, a lot of people have been 
levying Pete with the well, he's only been a small town mayor. Who cares? And I'm kind of like uh, uh, the the guy who's currently in the office had no elected experience. He he barely ran his own company. So is there a <laughs> chance that Pete does worse than Donald Trump at this point? I mean, like I feel like if Pete wins, he's going to be able to sort of bring in the who's who of Democratic all stars who can come in and run. Uh, like, I to, can I paint you? You could like bring in Axelrod just to like run the run the ship, and you got like uh, you you have whoever you want. You have the 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 pick of the litter. The problem with Trump was you know like when he couldn't get Colin Powell to like be a part of his administration yeah. the, because the, Colin Powell would just be like, no, I ain't dealing with that shit nope, show. Nope. <laughs> you call Bolton. Yeah, now, <laughs> that's now. what you deserve. Like. Um, but and I think I said this last year about one of the amazing moments we could have with a, with a Buttigieg presidency. And I just want to say again, I'm against this entire fucking thing. <laughs> Burn it all down. But imagine going to uh, having reports come out of the G8, and instead of all the world leaders laughing because our president's like, huh? <laughs> Every time someone says something in another language, he's sitting at a table and conversing with Macron in French. And then turning to uh, whoever replaces uh, Angela um, uh, Merkel, Merkel, and speaking to her or him in German, and speaking <laughs> to the Italian prime minister or ambassador in Italian, and like, imagine that's the American president—that he's conversing in multiple language at the same time with someone in their native tongue, rather than forcing all of them to be like, um, Mr. President. Uh, I, uh, I do. I do feel like. Uh, you know, uh, uh, so Roberto uh, brought up the idea of like, has any candidate been dumb enough to like sort of call out Pete's gay? The fact that Pete's gay is yeah. like a reason why somebody shouldn't vote for him. And I'm like, no, because all the Democrats are pretty smart and yeah. <laughs> haven't like wanted to like have that scarlet A put on them of like being anti-gay or homophobic or something like that well, in any more kind than of that, way. Though, all of them support. Equal rights. They oh, I know. Yeah, yeah, how yeah. are you going to be like, like, hey, that guy's gay. Saying, don't vote for him. But I'm totally with the gay people. I uh, totally. I do think that there's a part of it that might be just a. Uh, it might be interesting to throw Pete Buttigieg out into the debate with Trump, just oh. knowing that he probably can't hold back that itchy trigger finger of just being like, we're really going to elect a gay or something. And then just watch the whole thing just start like tumbling down a little bit. He, like, he drops the F word on national TV. <laughs> oh, man. And Pete calmly, calmly just tries to correct him and says, Mr. President, that is not uh, really a word. My name is Pete. My name is Pete. <laughs> uh, we don't use that word. That uh, We find that word to be very, very uh, a negative and not yeah. a word that we use. And he's like, what word? Hmm? The F word? And he's like, yes, that would be the word. And like, how many times is he going to say it in the next exchange? Like, Feel free to just keep saying it, though. Right now, you, you sort of have a carte blanche now that you've said it out loud. Just go ahead. Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to give you the F card, but uh, I mean... I mean, go, you know, like, I'll just sit here and take it, I guess, if yeah. that's the way you want to play this whole thing. I bet you will sit there and take it, won't you? Ooh. Uh, yeah. All right, so... Uh, <laughs> about that whole shooting this guy on Fifth Avenue thing we've... <laughs> Oh, man. One thing you don't have to worry about me, I have no interest in grabbing her by the pussy. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> oh, man. I wouldn't I wouldn't necessarily say Pete should say that, though. No, he absolutely <laughs> should. But again, my position is burn this whole thing down. Who cares? Speaking of which... which that's... By the way, is I think why I said we should all vote for Trump last time. <laughs> Speaking so. of which, I think, uh, speaking of burning it all down, we should take a trip on down to the Baltimore corner. Uh, yes, where you get the straight dope. Indeed.
Yeah, you gotta set, tell me if you're gonna. Sorry, me I just I just, train. Yeah. I just got right into it. I got my watch all messed up. I'm trying <laughs> to fix this. Anyway, yes, go ahead. So, uh, two items before we uh, get out of here. Uh, number one, there was a debate the other day, and uh, before the debate happened, apparently a volunteer for Sheila Dixon <laughs> ran up and punched Brandon Scott in the face. <laughs> no way. Who are these two people you're mentioning? Uh, well, Sheila Dixon was the former mayor who had to resign in disgrace because of a gift card scandal. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, and Brandon Scott is the current city council president who is also running for mayor. Both of them are now w- w- running for mayor. Yeah. Right, of course, yes. So, so it's only natural. Mayoral candidate gets punched in the face. Only natural by volunteer by yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, So the volunteer has already been told that they're no longer allowed to be a volunteer. Mm -hmm. Uh, There is a restraining order against the guy, girl. I don't know. And uh, (laughs) it seems like everyone's sort of moved on, but it just seems like too funny of a story not to share out loud. Yeah. So um, this is Baltimore, where. People just get shot on a regular basis. Um, <laughs> Punch in the face ain't so bad compared to comparatively speaking. I mean, I think if I'm Brandon Scott, I, I make a joke about like, well, at least he didn't shoot me. Um, <laughs> although maybe that's in bad maybe, taste yeah, maybe. the mayor. <laughs> <laughs> maybe they don't want to hear that from the mayoral candidate. Maybe. maybe not. This is why I can't run for public office anymore. <laughs> I've uh, lost that line that tells me, you know what? Uh, I used to have a line that said, don't say that. That's going to be wrong. And now the voice in my head says, fuck it. Let's see what happens. Do it. Uh, <laughs> Do it. But um, nothing would surprise me now. Uh, I imagine that at some point, um, some mayoral candidate's going to be like, I will drop out of this race right now. Arm wrestle. Let's go. <laughs> I just, yeah, winner take all. All um, right, Joe Biden. And then Sheila Dixon. <laughs> yeah. All right. <laughs> I Mayor. Watched, I walked over the top like 19 times. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> I use the gift cards at Gold's Gym. <laughs> Um, yeah, uh, Baltimore will never surprise me. So, <laughs> uh, the other story uh, that I was hearing about today mm-hmm. is that uh, the city is in the highest court available to them. Court of uh, appeals, trying to argue that they don't need to be held financially responsible for uh, the actions of the Gun Trace Task Force. So let, let's walk through that logic. Uh, yep. the police force, the Gun t- Trace Task Force, right. was acting so wild. That the city who was employing them and ignoring this behavior mm-hmm. should not be held responsible for the things that they did while on duty and also not because that. Well, action I mean, was like so even far. though you know part of this was like stealing overtime. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so they weren't actually on the clock for the time that they were getting paid for, but mm-hmm. technically speaking, for a employee of the city version, they were on the clock yes, for that whole. Yeah, but <laughs> they were acting so wild. And out of control that the city should not be held responsible for the actions that they did during that period, which is a unique argument. Uh, I think it's been made by uh, my some of my employees before. <laughs> just, you know, like, well, what do you want me to do? He's just acting crazy. You're his boss. Tell him <laughs> to stop. Well, I mean, it's just it's out of control. You can't hold me accountable for that. Like, <laughs> what? OK. Uh, all right. Yeah. <laughs> Und- they're going to change the motto of the city to under normal circumstances, the buck stops here. <laughs> <laughs> but sometimes. Sometimes it doesn't. But And, and the, the problem is, I can't say for sure that this is going to be a, uh, a losing proposition. Mm. Just, I mean, the, the heart of the argument is we should not make the overburdened taxpayers of the city pay for the sins of a few 
because in the end, the city will never. It's an empty. It's an empty bag. We can't go back to those people to get repaid. Yeah, well, I mean, so. like the like I was saying to you, the money that they stole went to things that have already been spent. Like yeah. one of the one of the officers uh, bought Super Bowl tickets and you know accommodations and airfare and fee, you know food and drinks in Miami yeah. or whatever it was. And uh, the that's just money that you can't get back. You can't get a refund on a Super Bowl ticket. And now he's going to be in jail for the rest of his life. Right. So it's not like he's going to earn any money that we'll be able to get back. And when he gets out, he's not going to be able to be a police officer anymore. So it's one job he's had his whole life. <laughs> yeah, um, and the, the one thing that could potentially make him money. And do you trust that guy in any job? I don't know if I hire him at McDonald's. Uh, like you got a bit of an anger problem, and I hear you have a thing about drugs. And you really steal. Sure. You so. steal stuff. So Part of the time you spent in jail was for stealing. Like, so Have you ever been accused or found guilty of overtime or other time theft? Uh, <laughs> well, <laughs> technically... Like I don't, I wasn't really found guilty. I was I mean, charged with it. Listen, all the supervisors said that if I found a gun, I'm just supposed to write five hours of overtime. Yeah, it's basically a reward. Sure. So uh, no, no theft, no reward. Yes. <laughs> I I claimed many overtime rewards. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I don't know if I would hire that any of them. Um. So yeah, so it's uh, basically an empty bag. Um. And but I mean, like the the, the the potential fallout from this is gargantuan because yeah. you got to think that there's over a thousand cases that have automatically been brought up to like review because yep. these officers have been in touch with have had their hands involved in it and then there's other officers still on the periphery yeah that could add thousands of more cases so, who may be dirty and we just haven't we just haven't yet. gotten to them yet yep. they just arrested a 13th person this week uh in connection with gtf uh, related things, and they they don't look like they. Part of the lawyers' comments were, uh, "We know there's more, and we're not going to stop." Like mm. that's <laughs> that's uh sounds to me like there's a lot more cases that could potentially be. And you know, like what's the what's the cost if you're a lawyer for uh, if you're taking up like a civil suit against the city here? Yeah, you have a client who spent five years in jail off of a planted gun by a member of the GTTF. Yep, uh, you're going to make an argument that this person lost their best years of being able to find like the gainful employment okay. they'd have for the rest of their life. 18 to 23 lost yeah. school, the ability to go to college, the start of their earning years, which is going to put them back their entire life now. Mm-hmm. That's a, and I think there's precedent too. It's like, you're going to look back and say, well, the city generally has paid out 1.6 to $2.8 million. So we are looking for something in that range or in excess of that. Also, something that's not brought up very often, we were, we were kind of like half joking around about the interview process that you go into uh, if you're a felon. But even if you aren't a felon, even if you spent a lot of time defending yourself in a case that didn't actually end yeah. up being like charged, like, you know, if you go in to apply for a job the day after you get off of the murder case that you were just found for. Yeah. What do you mean then- up to? <laughs> Yeah, well, number one, they're going to Google you, and they're going to say, Rob Cheek murder case, and that becomes a problem. But if they say, like, oh, you, have a, you, you haven't worked for the last two years, what's been happening? <sighs> well, I was wrongly accused of murder. <laughs> yeah. I've been, I literally just got done fighting the case. It ended yesterday. I was uh, not guilty on all charges. Uh, 
and uh, there was no evidence, and I had to spend two years in jail because the state was trying to railroad me. Yeah, like yeah. that doesn't that doesn't make the guy go like, you know what? I totally trust everything you're saying, and 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 willing to bring somebody who was accused of murder into my my workplace because you're telling me that Kevin Plank doesn't just want to <laughs> hire all of those people. I know, in an effort to make the city a better place. Hiring hiring people with the felony convictions too uh, is something that I feel like more people should be doing, just as a good thing. Anywho, yes, yeah. a lot of these people, they do honestly make their mistake and then get over. It. Like I don't want to go back to jail. Like that is a common refrain of people who uh, come out of jail. They desperately want to try and make their life right, and a lot of the times when they go back to jail, it's because nobody will give them an opportunity to do anything legal to mm-hmm. make money. And then you're right back to selling drugs or whatever you were doing to get in jail in the first place. Yeah, and a lot of those guys grow out of the person that they were when they went to jail the first time. What does Gerga say? You want to lower crime by 90%, just lock up every male between 15 and 25. Because when that guy gets out at 28 and he's just like, man, I was an angry kid. I turned into an angry young man. I'm better now. I committed a crime five days after my 18th birthday and spent 10 years in jail. And I look back at that kid and I have no idea who I was, but yeah. I can tell you I'm not that angry kid anymore. And I don't ever want to go back, but now I got a record. Yeah. A felony but go, and going back to it, you're, you're a lawyer for a kid yeah. who did five years for, you know, something that what clearly was proven not true. Yes. Uh, now you're suing the city. What, what kind of, uh, payout are you looking for? Well, I mean, I, I think kids in uh, in similar situations in the city in the past, I've seen those settlements at 1.5 to 3 million. Right. So I'm asking for the, I'm asking for double that six with the idea that we're going to settle somewhere in the middle. Yeah. Like at, at, at two and a half. Um, with but, the idea of pitching six merely to bring up the price of where the eventual. Yes. Because I know like, that settlement never, will be. they're never going to accept six, but I don't want to start at three and end up at one and a half. Yeah. 900,000, you know, or something like that. So, yeah, so you over you over ask, and there's a there's an establishment of a of a precedent for how much they pay for that. But in the mm-hmm. end, also you're on the losing proposition on another side because they're going to say the average kid coming from the neighborhood where your kid comes from uh, ends up in jail eventually immediately anyway. So yeah, this one was wrong, and we got him at the wrong time in the wrong place. But maybe he would eventually have committed a crime, actually, and uh, why should we pay this? Future criminal. That's a two point five. Sounds a lot like innocent until proven guilty, but there's subtle differences. We're talking about Baltimore here. <laughs> I don't know if you understand. Innocent until proven guilty is not really a concept that they are so familiar with. I so. I, I think that uh, just given that, like even if you called it two million dollars, yeah. and you're talking about a thousand cases, that's a a, uh, a sizable amount of money that would be paid out. Yep. Um, and but not I think an that easy hole to dig out of. It's a, it's an annuity. We're gonna pay everybody twenty grand a year for the next oh, thousand years, <laughs> and then uh, hopefully we'll finally pay it off to your grandkids. <laughs> or, or the city goes bankrupt. Get the awards. Or it feels bankrupt. like uh, if you just didn't have a police department, then you wouldn't. That amount of money Ooh. could basically just go to the settlements. Alternative. Um, Make the police department work for free. Where, yes, or uh, th- that FOP's got to have a decent retirement fund, don't they? wonder how mm. much is in the retirement fund. You think that's enough to cover all of it? I bet you there's some sort of legal 
uh, thing go, going on there that that would make it impossible to Ooh, lose you know, in a judgment. You know the thing I love about legal things? Yeah. They can be changed. <laughs> All you need is to have the government intervene, and the legal thing becomes an okay thing. Just like Citizens United. It was a Supreme Court decision. It can be undone by a... Um, Constitutional, constitutional amendment. amendment. Unfortunately, the people who need to make that change are going to be the people who benefit from it. In this I was, case, you know, as long as, uh, I was just thinking how long it's been since we've had a constitutional amendment too. 1983, the th- failure of the Equal Rights Amendment. Do you think we're? Do you think we'll have one in our lifetime? It's so hard to imagine anything being able to. So technically, rise speaking, to that level. Technically speaking, we did, because a state voted for the ERA last year, mm-hmm. the year before. And technically speaking, that gave them a three-fourths majority, which means it should pass. But I was sort of speaking new things. Oh, like. I was gonna say, but the, there is a actually a unconstitutional provision within the Equal Rights Amendment that put a timer on how long people had to vote. Yeah. So technically speaking, it's now law, but it's not law because of this other thing that's built in and unconstitutional. But I, I don't think we will ever reach the point where we have three-fourths of the states ratify something. That's going to be anything that will be a positive for the nation. Yes. I think if there's a chance that we end up like a handmaid's tale because three fourths of the the state governments end up in the hands of Republicans, call a goddamn convention and start (laughs) talking about how this women's with their voting rights are not necessarily the best thing for the country. So. So the next country might have some constitutional amendments to look forward to in our lifetime. Well, I mean, listen, uh, if we're going to rewrite, <laughs> that's what the you're Consti- saying. If we're going to rewrite the Constitution, and we need a little ink, <laughs> blood works wonders. <laughs> Guillotines fix everything. Or you know what else works? What's ink. That? Ink. <laughs> I ink mean, is, yeah, but ink is fine. If you want to make something dramatic, you gotta, you know, <laughs> you want to make something dramatic. You know where you can go? Where's that? Ohtheanthem.com. Cordoantheanthem.com. Ohtheanthem on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and the listener line four four three two one nine seven five nine five. What's that number again? Four four three two one nine seven five nine five. You can find more of me at my website CoreyBakerFilmmaker.com, Facebook.com forward slash CoreyBakerFilm, and at LegendsB5 on Twitter, Instagram, and Snapchat. Uh, Saw Ford vs. Ferrari. Uh, we'll be doing a review. Uh, didn't I? I didn't quite have all the f- the thoughts I I wanted before mm. going into a review. So uh, couched it for a day or two. It'll probably be out on Thursday. And yeah. All right. Yeah, that's it. Well, and of course, we want to remind you that you can find more OD Anthem at OD Anthem on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. It's available everywhere, basically, at OD Anthem. As we talked about earlier, anchor.fm forward slash OD Anthem and youtube.com forward slash OD Anthem for all of your visual and audio needs. And everything OD Anthem, including the merch store, which has some great new merchandise, mm-hmm. is available at OTheAnthem.com. And if you're looking more from me, you can find me at Robert N. Cheek on all your social networks. Make sure you check out RobertNCheek.com where you can find links to my uh, blogs and the the, uh, everything that I'm doing, including the reviews and the books, which are available on Amazon. Byro's books. Sorry, I, I was. Ca- there were uh, comments here. Somebody from uh, Skyline Frankfurt, Germany. Oh, hey. Well, hi, Skyline Germany. Uh, I should pay more attention to that. When we didn't have any comments after a while, I just clicked away. But uh, I, I, we, I have uh, going back in the studio tonight or tomorrow to record a bunch of new reviews. Um, Ooh, what have we seen? Little Women. Yep. Um, Ford vs. Ferrari. Mm-hmm. I got a couple of things off HBO, a couple of things off Netflix. I'll probably do a bonus episode and a new episode of Rob Explains Everything coming up very soon, finally. So you're gonna want you're not gonna want to miss that. All that's gonna be available uh, on YouTube at Rob Cheek on YouTube. Outstanding. All right. 
and we're going to do another show at some point this week. Yes. I don't know exactly when, uh, because I'm going to Vegas this weekend yep. on Sunday. We're going to be ships passing in the night. Yeah. On Sunday. So we'll we'll figure it out. Uh, we may or may not go live. We'll figure out. Uh, I think we should. Why not? Eh. Yeah, the episode will be up next week, but you'll be able to, to take it in this week uh, whenever we go up. Um, maybe not on Facebook. Maybe we'll just go on YouTube or, or you know, somewhere where less people watch. Because <laughs> that's the point, right? We don't, yep. we don't want to spoil it for you guys. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so uh, keep an eye out for the new episode. Obviously, uh, the new episode of the podcast will be up every Tuesday, as it always is, um, as long as Corey edits it before he leaves for Vegas. Because once he's in Vegas... It's not going to happen. Time is a question mark once you land in Vegas. Yes, yeah. yeah. Uh, work's also going to be a question mark. <laughs> I have doubts that you're actually going to get anything done while you're there. But that's, yeah, we'll uh, that's neither here nor there. All right, well, I think we've done good here today. We've done something. I don't know if it's good. But as always, you're listening to the OD Anthem podcast, part of the OD Anthem digital network. For Corey, this is Rob. Have a great week, everybody. Don't get into trouble up in New Hampshire, y'all. Guillotines. <laughs>